You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This week, I am talking to an extremely talented and extremely charming individual. He goes by Spilly Cave on the interwebs and in his band. His real name is Billy Cave, come to find out, which would work equally well. We, we talked about it a little bit, briefly. Anyway, you're going to like this episode. The dude is a real charmer, an extremely talented composer, a great conversationalist, and an excellent guitar player as well. We had an excellent chat, and I think you are really going to like it. We had an even better chat, though, over on Patreon. If you like to support the show, you like what this is all about, you like the randomness of it all, Patreon is even weirder. We got into all kinds of things, art and cinema and just, of course, aliens. We talk about all kinds of stuff over there, and if you want to get more episodes and access the ad-free feed, that is the place to do it. You just go to patreon.com slash tonemob. That's patreon.com slash tonemob, and of course, it's in the show notes as well. Head over there, and you will be able to get extra bonus episodes beamed right to your ears every week. All right, that's enough business. Let's get into this episode with my new friend, Spilly Cave. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Wyland. With me today, I have Spilly Cave, who I just found out was actually named Billy Cave. But, you know, everyone knows him as Spilly. So I'm so stoked to have you here. Uh, was introduced to your music through uh, Alex over at Stringjoy. He does our artist stuff. And both Scott, the owner, and I were like, this dude is fantastic. Like, we love your music, man. So <laughs> I was like, so I got to reach out yeah. and get, get oh, him on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. Um, So let's just start. Yeah. Probably the best place to start is, what's the what's the Spilly backstory? Like, when did yeah. you start playing? When did you pick up guitar? Uh, you've obviously been playing for quite a while. So let's get the whole lowdown. Cool, yeah. I mean, it kind of all, like, I come from, uh, my dad's not a musician. He plays a little guitar. But um, when I was really young, he was super into like jam bands like the Dead and Allman Brothers. And I just remember like when I was like five years old, uh, I don't know if it was Access TV back then or whatever, but it was one of those sites that always played live concerts. I remember watching like a video of Warren Haynes, like ripping. I don't know what that was that just fell into my background. Oh, something cool. fell down. No worries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> occupational hazards, right? Here. Yeah, gee whiz. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, you're good. But I remember watching a video of Warren Haynes when I was a kid. Uh, playing with the Allen Brothers and just him like ripping a solo and just being like a young kid. I mean, like, I don't know what that is or how that anyone does that, but I want to do something like that mm -hmm. one day. And I had like a little Squire acoustic. Uh, didn't really like play much at all until I was like 10. Uh, and then I got like super into Guitar Hero 2, um, mm -hmm. just like obsessed with it. And I actually went to like, there's this local library, shout out to the Fredrickson's Library in Campville, Pennsylvania, nice. <laughs> that I did a competition and did pretty okay with. Got the achievement for like beating one of the creators of Guitar Hero 3 on uh, Th Through the Fire and Flames by Dragon Force. And then my like dad was like, nice. he was like, dude, you know it's easier. I, I think I was playing like a Jane's Addiction song or something on guitar. He was like, you know that song's like easier on guitar. And so right. he like showed me it. <laughs> And I was like, definitely, am I allowed to swear on this? Is that cool? Or no, I can. If, I, hey, if it happens, it happens. You know? No, no, okay. no, then I won't. No, it's all chill. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So I was about to let, let, uh, let it fly. But no, uh, so I was like being a little brat and was like, I don't want to play acoustic guitar, Dad. I want to play electric guitar. Uh, <laughs> so for like Christmas uh, when I was 10, my parents got me like, like a starter like Chinese built, like Kansas started, you know, those one, it was $150. They come with the guitar and the amp mm -hmm. sound terrible. The actions like a mile long or like a mile off the fretboard. And their whole thing was like, yeah, we'll get you a guitar, electric guitar, but you have to practice a half an hour a day 
and you have to take lessons. And so mm-hmm. I got super lucky at uh, this local guitar shop, like my favorite guitar shop of all time, um, who sadly the owner passed away a few years back, but uh, Triple R Guitar, um, just right upstairs, there was a dude that was in jazz school at the time named Justin Clouser, who um, I took lessons from him and from my, when I was 10 until I was 18. Um, wow. So, like, really, I attribute, like, basically everything I know about guitar to him. He's a fantastic teacher. And, uh, yeah, so that, I mean, I, like, started at 10, and then just I couldn't, I was like, oh, this is my thing. You know, like, it really felt, I was so excited by it. And it, like, I never had something besides, because, like, I grew up, like, playing lots of video games and stuff like that. I wasn't really a sports kid. But I didn't have something that, like, felt like that could, like, sustain me for, like, the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, by, like, of course, it always took a couple of years, because the first few years playing guitar just you know just like wanton madness like you don't <laughs> you don't think you're getting anywhere <laughs> with anything but then's when things started clicking like i remember uh i got down like i didn't get down the intro this early when i was like 13 i got down like the chorus riff of cliffs of dover and uh i was like oh okay this is like a could be, become a really big part of my life and then and then i'll never forget like when i was 15 my guitar instructor was like okay do you just want to like learn songs on guitar or do you want to like learn how to be a musician and that was a really amazing turning point because that then him being like a composition expert started teaching me all about music theory and basically like the construction um, and basis for everything of why I'm playing what I'm playing. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and then it was there from then. I mean, I played in I played cello and orchestra in high school. I was in choir, chamber choir, jazz band, basically like just all I did was music. Uh, and then, yeah, so that's, and then, and now I, I never stopped. I was like, I got to figure out how to make this my life some way <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or I'll be pretty miserable. <laughs> Dude, I, I totally understand that. It's, there's all yeah. these moments, you know, that kind of compound on one another. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I didn't, I don't, I don't want to say I gave up music. I didn't give up music from a passion standpoint. I still played yeah. and was obsessed with everything, but I, I had totally, discarded it as an idea of a a career I could have in the industry in any way. I just was like, I knew I didn't like traveling in the, in like cars for a long time. I hated road trips. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really have the desire to play on stage. And so I just thought I can't be the person on stage. There's not really a, a place for me. And since I started doing this and getting into another side of the industry, it's become something of a passion of mine to try to put it out there that there are thousands and thousands of ways to get into music. If you really care about it, there are so many ways you can be a part of a music scene. Even if you don't think you can be the person on stage or you're not really into writing or performing, if you really love it, there are so many ways you can, you can be involved. And, uh, I, I just love it, but you, you know, you got the bug seems like, pretty much from day one. I mean, from yeah. Guitar Hero on, which yeah, Guitar yeah, yeah. Hero is this yeah. funny through line because I <laughs> I was already playing guitar by the time Guitar Hero came out. Mm-hmm. Not very well, but I'd been playing for a little while. Yeah. And just like what your dad said, I, I think I was playing like I Want to Be Sedated on yeah, right. Guitar Hero and I sucked at it. I sucked at <laughs> the game. Yeah. Like This is horrible. I can yeah. play this song in real life and I can't play it on the game. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, the probably the easiest song on Guitar Hero, uh, and maybe one of the easiest songs on guitar too. But yeah, that's uh, pretty true and true. Nice. Hey, whatever. <laughs> but um, so, at what point did like obviously you 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 know you do great with your online presence and you're playing some pretty big shows now from what the looks of it. Yeah, strangely enough. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When did that start becoming part of what it is? Like it's it's one thing to go from like band and orchestra in high school to actually writing and performing with your own band and out there. How did that transition go for you? Yeah, so it's been a very long journey. So I mean I'm I'm twenty six, so I'm not like um, you know, I'm still relatively young, but uh feels feel feel old. I'm sure I'll look back and be like, Wow, you're such a kid now. But uh (laughs) you know, uh So when I was 18, I moved to New York um, to go to school, to the new school. And I was originally a double major because I didn't know if I was going to be able to cut it as like a musician. I've always vastly um, underestimated my playing ability. I was like such a sheepish player in high school. I was like, I suck. I'm terrible. But I ended up going to the new school, um, was a double major in music comp and philosophy. And then was like, wait, I just want to do music. I was about to transfer um, into the jazz program and then dropped out because I ran out of money. But um, mm-hmm. but anyways, while I was there at the new school, I met, um, I ended up like, um, 
getting really, really into writing and composition. I wrote with this girl, Samia, uh, who's doing amazing things now. I played in her band. Um, and I did the thing, like, I thought, like, I was like, I had a small, you know, piece of my brain when I was 18. I was like, you know, I'm going to go to college. I'm just going to study. And then, like, within, like, two months, uh, I still did well in school, but I was like, I was part of five bands all of a sudden. And then we were, I was playing <laughs> shows every weekend. I'm like, I, and it was a really big moment. I'm like, I don't think I can ever get away with this if I try. Like, it just kept up happening. But anyways, after I dropped out of school, I went through, like, a long period of just being, like, pretty, I had, like, really bad anxiety disorder because I moved back to my hometown. I was like working as a bartender at this like hick bar. And I was like, I don't, I, I really thought like it was all over. I was still playing in a local band, but I was like, I don't think this is ever going to be a thing. Um, but was still writing. Like that's how I, I started producing in logic at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and was like working on my own record. And then I was like working, I, you know, I had a bunch of weird odd jobs. I was a temp at a, at a the Pennsylvania dental association. Um, but a bunch of weird stuff like that, you know, as it goes, you know, and I was just trying to like, you know, you just need a job to you know, pay the bills. And, and sure. uh, so then like I got laid off for COVID and up until this point, I had been like learning Adobe Premiere, had been getting like really like pretty, pretty proficient with logic and mixing for people, had been composing my own stuff. I'd put out one like album that was just kind of like a collection of songs I wanted to get off my hard drive. Um, and then COVID hit and like everyone was talking about TikTok and I was kind of like, I was like, well, I'm, I have this great unemployment. Like I got to figure out how to turn this into something because I was like incredibly depressed. And I was like, this is either my shot and if I give it, I'm going to give it up my all here and see what happens. And so for about two years, I made videos every single day. I made a daily video on TikTok um, just of what I was writing at that time. It was kind of like it was almost more like a daily journal. Where I was mm-hmm. like, it kind of like stuck me to a good schedule of like, okay, I'm going to compose and practice every day. And then people are going to see what I'm working on. Um, and so that ended up kind of ballooning. I it, it For a year, I never got over like a thousand followers. It was just kind of like, I'd have a video with 10 views. I had a video with maybe, oh, 300 views today. And then I had, it started just, I was super consistent. It just started going crazy I, out of nowhere. I was like... I, I did one video. I did like a sample challenge that hit like 40k, and then, then I had some videos hit 100k, and then, and then, then people started like you know after I like I crested like 10k on TikTok, and it just kept going up and up, and then I started just getting calls from people, and you know I ended up a lot of people reached out that were fans of me, that were like people I was fans of. Um. So yeah, and so that kind of was like, well, I gotta like kind of filter this momentum in some way into a project, and that's kind of how the album last year came together. Because mm-hmm. I was like, well, this would be really cool. This kind of feels like my moment to kind of like really collect all the momentum I've kind of started to curate over the past couple of years into something I'm I'm proud of. And so that record came out. I released independently and I got such a like so many people reached out to me that I never would have thought like it's <laughs> just like so strange, dude. And uh, like, like people I'm a huge you... fan of were just like, I, I love this. And like, that's super sick. And then that's how the tour came about. Because yeah. like I started getting all these offers for live shows, and I actually didn't have a band at the moment. Um, I was like just composing and mixing for people and making my own stuff. Um, and so I was like, "Well, geez, I gotta like, I guess I need a like." I always thought it would be like I'd be like touring forever with a band, and then I would get a shot. But I actually kind of went the reverse. Now, luckily, I had the experience of playing in bands from from since I was like thirteen, so it wasn't sure. like transferring to that live experience was a pretty effortless. Um, kind of thing because I hired like my my brother is my other guitarist um, who's awesome. I mean he's an amazing guitarist. Uh, my little brother he's uh, in jazz school now, and then my my drummer Logan I've been playing with since I was thirteen, and then my bassist Michael I've known since I was fifteen. So and they're all jazz guys. So like it's you know everyone picks up stuff super easily, and it's not a you know we can you know uh, we don't the whole practicing the songs things like everyone knows the tunes before we get to practice, which makes everything pretty painless. But uh, yeah, so I actually got a DM. I mean, I don't even like, like back in this February from um, this bassist, Ash Kabosu, um, who's from England. And he plays in this band, Lovejoy, who is headed by Wilbur Soot, who is a, a Twitch streamer. And they're like really big in England. They're about to do a big headlining tour. And um, I had seen his name pop up. I didn't know who the band was at the time, but I knew he mm-hmm. had, like, had been liking my stuff for about a year now. And I just got a DM that was like, hey, you want to come play a sold-out tour with us? Um, 
And I was like, yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> sounds yeah, <dude>. awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was like very, I mean, I don't, you know, there was no, no agent was involved in that way. It was literally just a DM from him. And then I got his agent's email and then uh, they're like, yeah, we did seven dates with them. I mean, all the, all the uh, venues were at least like, like 15 to 2000 people. Um, we played the Riverside Theater in Milwaukee, which was like 4,000. And it was just amazing. I mean, it was just like, the best experience ever. I mean, their fans are so awesome. Uh, we gained so much. I mean, like it was crazy how much I, cause I've, you know, I've opened for a lot of people in different bands throughout the years. And usually like people are cool to openers if they dig you, but you know, everyone's there for the main event. Whereas like the Lovejoy fans, they were just like so open and accept. They like, they were stoked to see who was ever on the bill. Like the venues were at capacity, you know, like by the time the opener was walking on stage. And so, mm-hmm. uh, it was amazing, man. I mean, like, so, yeah, and that's kind of how that happened. Uh, now we have, or we have another. I, I can't talk about um, who we're playing for, but we have another big tour book next year too. And uh, so yeah, so it kind of just all came from TikTok, just from daily video creation, and then also having that background. I was lucky because I've had friends who are just like composers or, or sound engineers who like kind of shifting into the live show is like kind of a big problem because they're like, ah, oh, I don't know how to do live, or it's just them on the computer, which is cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But coming from a jazz background, I was like, well, I want the live experience to be a natural, kind of a natural um, parallel to what I'm making online. Instead of it being some kind of jarring thing that either feels empty or underprepared, it was like, I think we've had success with the live show because all of us are, are, we're already professionals that weren't working and now we have just a great gig. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Hi. I'm Vincent, and I'm here to talk about the Mercury X. My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a 4,800 hertz sample rate and 99 preset locations in 33 banks and something along the lines of the most advanced reverb pedal ever devised by man? That's all true, but I only care about one thing. This pedal sounds sick. So make sure you check out the Mercury X and all the other fine products at maris.us, as well as fine retailers worldwide. All right, Dad, now can I have my pocky? How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services. And it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than 2 bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. Yeah. How did you keep the motivation for staying consistent with the daily videos? Because I post, I I used to do, you know, twice a day stuff on IG back in the day. And, you know, TikTok, I have a really hard time because I'm an old head uh, (laughs) keeping consistent on it all. Uh, Although I don't really have a great excuse for that because I do, I I should just take some of those IG videos and put them over there. But, um, but I, I think a lot of creators, of whatever genre we're talking about, whether you're trying to push your own music or gaming channel or anything that you're trying to do on the internet, it's tough to stay consistent, especially Mm -hmm. in those early days. I think it's a little easier once you've got some traction and you know kind of what to expect. It's way easier to maintain that consistency. How did you keep that going early on for that year when you said like, oh, sometimes I got 10 views. Lots of people are in that boat. How did you push through that? Yeah, I mean, it was 
it was a really strange time. So first off, I mean, I joke that my my um, career is government subsidized um, <laughs> because of all the uh, COVID payments. So that was first off huge. I mean, like just having the relief to be like, I can just focus on music every day for like a year and a half was such a massive weight off my shoulders. That was like, it got to the point where I was like, well, I'm going to treat this as I'm just a composer. That's my lifestyle. I write every day. If the videos do well, cool. If not, I'm taking this opportunity where the world's shut down to be actually able to be a writer full time. Like I've always dreamed of. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I think it is totally still possible within like a full-time context but for like a you know for someone that has like anxiety and depression for me it was definitely a big part of it was like knowing that if this didn't go well well everything's shut down who cares i just i just want to write um but i think at the end of the day even if you you know even like today's climate uh, it's really important to not lose sight of the music at the forefront i mean that's like the biggest thing i could any advice i give to anyone is just focus on your composition you know any video idea or any kind of like hook you ha idea you have if the music's not there it's not going to catch in a way that's like edifying to you and you're not going to be proud of it in the end of the end of the day anyways because mm -hmm. you know at the core like if you're a musician you should be making great music and, and that doesn't have to be great to everyone if something if you're like just starting out you make something that's sick in your house like that's sick like that's that's the most important like that feeling will like get you through the rest of your life and yes. so <laughs> yeah and mm -hmm. For me, like that was my, I was always so focused on like, oh, let's think of video strategies and let's, you know, let's, let's figure out this new marketing campaign to push out my like record. I kind of like kind of threw in eight weeks, but it was like, I was like, wait, what if, what if I really, and I had this, like, I just had to have a little hope and I still hasn't, you know, I'm not like, you know, anything crazy right now, but it's, it's just like, I, I had hope in myself that if I really just cared about composition, then people would react to that and like really care about that. Um, because at my heart, that's like, that's what I, that's everything I live for is, co is composing. Like, it's just writing, writing music. Um, and so I hoped if I just like, one thing I've always been good at is I'm like a really fast writer. Like I can, I have a great ear that I've trained over the years and I can write really fast. So I was like, well, I think I can like write and not get burnt out wave quicker than a lot of other people and so that was kind of the big thing i was like what if i gave something gave someone something new every day like every day you're like scrolling on your four you page you see a spilly cave video it's not going to be someone promoting the same song for three months doing a different dance i was like P spilly pops up you're gonna get a fresh musical experience that you haven't it, it might only be a minute long but like well that's but it's it's treating the video format as it's its own medium versus mm -hmm the long form format of an album. Like if you want to listen to the album, well, you, you have that cataloged on Spotify, you know? And if you're a big enough fan of me on TikTok, well, naturally you're going to want to see what he's, what his other stuff is. And, and you're going to see teases of what's on the record in Spotify, but at its core, like I want people to have a fresh experience um, and truly treat every video as if like, well, if someone's seeing me for the first time, I don't want someone to pop up, you know, one of my videos and be like, Oh, look at this dude. He's just trying to get me to go to Spotify and listen to his music. Like if people enjoy my art, I hope they do that. But totally like, I want, I want people to be like, Oh, what's this, what's this little, I, what's this cool little sound? <laughs> like that's, mm -hmm. this is so, this is interesting and fresh. I hope, you know, that's, that's kind of the goal. So that was keeping that kind of philosophy at the forefront was a massive part of like, kind of, uh, like keeping, um, kind of burnout, uh, kind of off my shoulders and allowing me just to focus on making good music, you know? Yeah. I will say you touched on something that's, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure a lot of people share this opinion, but yeah. when it is truly somebody promoting the same song with like a different dance, that's like probably one of my biggest pet peeves in yeah. this whole industry right now. Just, yeah. I get it. <clears throat> I understand why you're doing it. I understand that it has worked for other people in the past. And yeah. I understand that, there are people who, you you know, you may only hit 10% on a good day of your followers. Yeah. Uh, if you're lucky, you'll hit that many because yeah. of the way algorithms are. But at the same time, I think that does lead to fan burnout, right? Like oh, absolutely. If, you, if I yeah. really love a band, I follow them on social media. I don't necessarily want them to be telling me about the same song over and over no. and over and over and over again. You know, no. so it's no one it's likes like that. A, yeah. <laughs> I understand that there's people who haven't heard the song yet, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, that need to hear it. But at the same time, I think 
while it's more difficult in a lot of ways, the approach of giving them a fresh experience for the most part with every post. So that's not yeah. to say you can't revisit things here and there. No, I mean, one of my biggest videos uh, for the tune Friendly Fields, um, that was a video, that was a guitar lick I had written two years before and had made a video on. It only got 200 views. And then two, two years later, I wrote a B section and remixed it and then made a new video out of it. And then it hit like 200K. So it's, it's, but even in that that standpoint, it wasn't just like the same song. It was a it was a new spin on something and finding a new format through which to kind of like I don't know, sell the product. If you want to be cynical mm-hmm. and capitalist about it, but um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's it's to show a new experience, you know, or or something something relatively akin to that. You do so much writing. Do you ever run into something? I'm sure you have where yeah, like oh, this is great, but it doesn't really fit the spilly cave thing or you pretty yeah. much adapt whatever you come up with into a spilly cave. How does that work for you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I have, so I have like a few, so like I, my, um, I used to worry about that a lot and I've kind of totally stopped. I think I've garnered a fan base that is just kind of like into what I do. Um, and they like me as a composer. And so I used to kind of feel like, well, I have to have different names for this and do these different projects. I would still like to do that to a certain extent, but kind of nowadays I've kind of felt like, well, whatever I make, I might as well just put it out under Spilly because people that appreciate kind of what I kind of like, and similarly, like I've, I'm very inspired by like artists like Beck, um, and like Paul McCartney's solo work, um, who kind of like especially specifically Beck made kind of whole career on like genre hopping between albums. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's pretty hard for me to make something that doesn't sound like something Spilly would make uh, just because I have such sure. like a specific <laughs> taste of what I like harmonically and what kind of tonalities I like for my own music. So even when I am kind of crossing into different uh, genres and ideas, uh, I, I it kind of all still kind of feels like it works under Spilly, and if not, I'll like you know always just test the waters. I did do a thing last year. I put out a secret Christmas album uh, called "Death Is Temporary, Hassy Is Forever," and I did have an alter ego for that called Chill Bleed. For that was like more of like an electronic hyper pop record, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah. So you know, if it's a fun character, but even that was still it was like a collab with like Spilly Cave and Chill Bleed, you know. But it was just me, <laughs> right? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just just right here, just me right here. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I've been. Yeah, because I've been working on like I I I I've just been so all over the place with yeah. my writing lately. I put out a record a couple years ago that just kind of fell out. I yeah. I just decided I publicly said on the podcast I'm putting out a record yeah. by this yeah. time, yeah. and then I was like, oh, I got to do it now. Yeah. I just <laughs> yeah. told a lot of people that I'm going to do it, yeah, and right. so I did it, and it all was kind of this ambient weird thing. Yeah, and yeah. now I'm I'm going like which I called it American Cyclops and nice. got more listens on the podcast than it did on any streaming service, of course, because yeah. that's what it is. But I, um, I'm now like writing all this stuff and I'm like, this doesn't sound like an American Cyclops thing. And I'm like, not everything can fit into that weird right. ambient box you just tried to paint for yourself. So you might just have to go with it. Yeah. Right. Um, so that was kind of encouraging to hear. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, that's, it really just depends. I think some people have such like a, uh, blinders on when it comes to like what how people will perceive you and that's like something i always try to stay away from is like never care about what anyone would think about what i make ever and Mm -hmm. that's like i try to really keep that core because i feel like it just festers in your head if you start thinking about that too much like once i first started having like uh viral videos and stuff i started like kind of feeling that pressure of like oh wait well people like this one are they gonna like this sort of thing and so that's when i'm always like no just do what you like that's why people followed you in the first place. That's why people mm-hmm. like it. If you change, then hopefully people change with you and you bring them all along. If not, eh, you leave some people behind and that's life. You're an artist, not like, you know, not a, a business person. Right, but, right. Yeah. Well, And maybe you'll, you, know, you left some behind, but there's some new people who like yeah. the new thing. So yeah, that, totally. that maybe you didn't like the old thing. So you yeah. can't, you definitely can't yeah. please everybody no. and you definitely can't focus on that too much or you drain the excitement of actually making anything away yeah well so they just had to kind of yeah. roll into it and just be like whatever yeah. who cares yeah fine 
Absolutely. Because then you become one of those people that like your viewership goes down and then all your videos become about how you don't have the viewership you had before. <laughs> it's just like, no one likes that, dude. Like, no, just, no. Just, make, <laughs> just make new cool stuff. Like that's, And if less people like it, that's fine. That's not why we make things. That's not the point. <laughs> like, the point isn't to get people to know. It's that like you have this fire inside you that you must make because it's the most human thing to do. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing that's, why did it, why did I feel a need to like try to figure out a way to make music even tangentially my career? Like, why did I right. feel that? It's like because I love music. Yeah. You know, I yeah. and that was the, that was the big. That's actually the, like conversations on this podcast are what made me want to do that record because cool. I found myself being like oh, I didn't do another pedal demo. Like, yeah. Uh, and I love guitar pedals. Yeah. I love gear. And yeah. I I found myself going oh, I don't want to do this pedal demo. And then yeah, I was yeah. like. Why did you get excited about guitar pedals in the first place? Right. Why? Yeah. Because you like music. So how about just don't do demos unless you've committed to them for some reason or another. But like, don't just do demos to do demos. Grab all this cool stuff that you have, throw it on the floor, and plug it in however you want and see yeah. what comes out. And just yeah, go with that because totally. that's yeah. why you got excited about all these little boxes in the first place. So go make music with it. For sure. And uh, yeah, it's... a. Uh, it was really, really refreshing to just not worry about what I was using and more just use whatever I wanted, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the key to all of it. You just got to do mm-hmm. what you want. That's yeah. And doing what you want will not always be successful, but that's not... I don't know. It's just like... I the guess whole it depends TikTok on the thing. definition of success, right? Yeah, right. If you're like, happy with it and that's yeah. all you're trying to do, then that is successful. Yeah. yeah. And it's just funny to me because it's like... I think a lot of people are so into like the whole fame thing and notoriety thing. And it's just like... Every person, I know a few famous people. I've seen countless documentaries. Seems like it sucks, dude. And so it's like, <laughs> so it's like why would you ever make that the focus? Like, mm-hmm. the only reason, like, you should always just be focused on the music and what, what you believe in. Because that's, that's going to carry that torch for the rest of your life, you know. Mm-hmm. Or as the other stuff will fade with time and will all be forgotten. So, you know, might as well actually care about what matters. But, that's right yeah yeah and that's not to say that like you don't want to pay attention to your business because that's the other trap that artists fall into right yeah, sure Where some somebody else gets their hands on it or you're yeah, not yeah. your hands aren't on the wheel firm enough and yeah. all of a sudden the next thing you know someone else is driving the bus totally you're like hey where's all my money yeah, right, not, yeah it's not all yeah, about yeah. the money that's <laughs> yeah, not what i'm trying to say but no i got no absolutely yeah it and that's something that i'm also really passionate about is like yeah. making sure that artists are i think for so many years especially in the like you know we've all seen the documentaries and we know exactly yeah. what you're talking about there's so many examples of where the artist wakes up one day and they're like wait what do you mean i'm broke mm-hmm. and it's like well you signed the contract yeah and right. i like want people to even though i i still hear about this to this day from friends yep. where they're like oh yeah i signed this 360 deal and yada 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 and i'm like you yeah. did what yeah, they're right. like, then they don't yeah. know, even realize what they're signing. And no. I think people need to pay attention to that stuff. It sucks. It sucks. Yeah. But it's the necessary part to being able to continue what you want to do for a long time. Sometimes, sometimes you got to pay taxes. It always sucks. But yeah, you got to read the paperwork. So, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk. Let's talk about your sound a little bit, since this is supposedly a guitar related podcast. Yeah. Right. Uh, so allegedly you. Allegedly, <laughs> it hasn't been that for a very long time. Sweet. Might have to change the name. Uh, uh, but your sound is very distinctive. You love yourself some modulation. Yes. Yeah, let's yeah. let's go on the gear journey a little bit. And, and yeah. how did you find this particular sound that you've become known for? Yeah. Uh, so I am really obsessed with like Japanese jazz, jazz fusion, uh, Japanese city pop. Um, Yellow Magic Orchestra, uh, Harumi Hisono, Masayoshi Takanaka. Um, and so, and I've also really always liked, like, specifically McCartney 2 um, is one of my favorite records of all time. Um, and so that has that very, a lot of the guitar tones and a lot of that, a lot of those tunes have this very warbly tape distorted sound. Um, and so I found this, I got this plugin uh, when I was. Yeah, it's probably like I think I saw an ad for it on TikTok or something. It's called Sketch Cassette. It's like twenty bucks, and it just has mm-hmm. my favorite tape warble of all time. So I run all of my guitar chains through that, 
Um, it's a pretty simple tone. I think people are always pretty perplexed by it because I crank it so much. People are like, what is that? <laughs> I also quad track most of my guitars too mm-hmm. um, and then EQ them into like one really thick guitar sound. Um, so a lot of it is that too. But then, wait, do I have it around here? Oh, wait, let me get this real quick. Okay. Shout out to Alex again for hooking me up with Earthquaker devices. Oh, yeah, um, there we go. For the live experience, um, I use this Aqueduct um, yeah. by Earthquaker, which is exactly, it's basically sketch cassette. It's the best. I mean, it just literally is just that tape warble. I'm not a huge gearhead. Um, I'm I on the album, everything's software. Um, so I'll just, I mean, really, mainly all I use is the overdrive on my Fender Deluxe Reverb and this live. It's pretty, pretty simple setup. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, it's funny. It's like a lot of I, I we played a show out in LA last year, and someone's like, "Oh, I love your pared down set, like setup. That's so retro." And it's like honestly, it's just abject laziness. It's like for me, <laughs> it's funny. Like I, I tinker away so much on the record, and I actually, I really love that side of it. Like really really getting down into the minutia of all of the different technical aspects of uh, the tonalities of the guitars and how they're mixed and um, all the change to that. But when it comes to the live experience, I really just want to walk up, plug in and play. I don't, I really don't want to think a lot. I think coming from like the jazz and funk background, it really mm-hmm. is like, you know, like we should be filling up. If the composition is good enough, I should be filling up every kind of like little sonic box between the four of us and shouldn't need too much, uh, on the top end there but yeah so that's that's where that came from kind of like 70s jazz fusion uh from japan was it the biggest influence for the guitar tone and then kind of cranking that tape warble um the i think it's the flutter on sketch cassette too uh and then it has great saturation too but um yeah that's kind of the, the key of it i really like um ssl's um solid state logic um their uh eq rack i run all of my guitars through a, uh, that eq and then funnily enough I, I i used to only use it on vocals but i really like the wave cla uh the cl2a mm-hmm. um through for a guitar chain i've been actually really enjoying the way it kind of squashes everything down for some reason but uh yeah so that's kind of the, the key the core of the guitar tone nice when you talk about quad tracking are you yeah. playing one track and just duplicating it or are you actually playing four different tracks oh i always play it yeah four different times yeah yeah yeah, always yeah yeah yeah. just it's funny i mean you can you know like just like you know copy and paste and eliminate the phase but i just feel i think a lot of the girthiness of the sound of my guitar tracks comes from really playing it every time um Mm -hmm. and and also it just makes me better (laughs) funnily enough just makes me get down the parts better too because like true uh you just have to get everything perfect uh multiple times like every solo i do i'm like okay we have to do it again (laughs) oh man (laughs) (laughs) time to do it again so if i write something like really blistering i'm like okay that was uh, i got it once and it's always you know it's honestly it's fun because i'm like well if you can do it once you should be able to do it twice and if you can't do it twice then you probably don't know how to do it so you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's fair yeah, the there is. I'm I'm definitely guilty of just sometimes just copying yeah. and pasting. In fact, I do it. I do it all the time. Yeah. But there is some magic. I do I hate to call it magic, but there is yeah. something to actually playing it again. And even though you can be as perfect as humanly possible, there's always some slight variation yep. in how oh, you yeah. pick. There's always some tiny little variant that you may not yeah. even be able to detect if you were a being them side by side. Totally, but. It's those little variances that make multi-tracking the same instrument, you know, the same part. That's what makes a lot of the magic sometimes. That's where some fatness really comes out. And Mm -hmm. I don't don't know that that's explored as much as it should be this day and age. I think a lot of people are copying and pasting like me. Yeah, no, (laughs) I, I always play everything multiple times. I mean, for all all the instruments, I always I mean, obviously bass, I only ever need one um for the most part i've had a few songs with like three bass tracks but um yeah no i always play everything twice i just like the way it sounds it's just like it's such an immediately gratifying thing because i I do like a hard left and right pan for a lot of my guitars too Mm -hmm. just to build out that like really wide stereo guitar sound and just playing it twice with that like you know right and left pan all running through the tape emulator it's just like i don't know it's just like i think it's funny i had (laughs) 
someone i always get funny comments about my guitar tones they're like it's so weird and quirky and i just think it sounds good like it's just what sounds good to me uh there's been no intention of quirk uh but if that's cool i mean if it is weird and quirky that's sick but i just love the way it sounds it's like at the moment i found i'm like oh that's that's the guitar tone that's what i've always wanted so that's the sound yeah yeah, it's the tune that's that's the sound i've always wanted so i I love it it's just uh it makes me want to keep playing guitar so talk to me about that ibanez that you're playing you, ah, you've had that forever, right? It is. It is. Funnily enough, not an Ibanez. It's not a PRS. It's Everyone, not? no, it's not. It's I a Frankenstein. It's not an Ibanez. Oh no, my it's goodness! Frankenstein guitar. I have it right here. Oh, there it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Tell me more. So, uh, I have the Luthiers sticker posted over the, uh, over the logo, but it was uh, a Schecter C1 Classic, okay, from like 2004 that i loved i mean this is my favorite feeling playing guitar of all time like it's just i've had this since i was uh 14 or 13 and i loved it sounded terrible the sorry Schechter, but the the way it was <laughs> uh stock was pretty pretty awful it was not a great sounding guitar but i loved the way it felt so much so when i was 18 my one buddy derek hefner was going to school to become a luthier and he needed projects to do and i was like hey man I have this guitar that is my favorite playing thing of all time. Every time I pick it up, I'm like, this is the guitar I want to use. But then it just sounds like... Uh, so he gutted it, um, built all custom electronics, uh, custom wound pickups, um, inserted a coil tap into it, and that's the guitar then. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So Very it's nice. kind of like a Frankenstein Schecter thing. And uh, yeah, so it kind of has relatively... It kind of sounds like one of like the super strat PR uh, super strat Ibanezes they have, which actually I would like one of those eventually, or, or kind of similar to a PRS, but it's got a little more girth. But yeah, I love this thing, man. Yeah. So, how many people get that con- guitar confused for something else? Because you immediately like it's not a PRS. I'm I like, think a hundred percent. Yeah. I thought it was an Ibanez this whole time. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't yeah. believe it. I've had like one comment on TikTok that was like some dude being like C1 Classic. I was like, nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, but, uh, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had one. I've always actually had a soft spot in my heart for Schecters, which funny yeah. enough because. Uh, I remember um, I thought I was going to get a Schecter for my first electric. My dad surprised me with uh, one of the, it was a graduation present. So I got a, a, a one of those Les Paul Fadeds yeah. instead. So like my face, when I was kind of expecting a Schecter, which I yeah. would have loved. And I opened the case and there was this Les Paul there. Like I've, I've posted it on Instagram a couple of times, but like yeah. this face of just pure, joy and excitement that i don't know has been replicated until i had kids probably that's awesome (laughs) but schecter i've always had a soft spot for him i've but i've always leaned towards their like more metal ones i remember the really lusting after the damien and i i wish i could remember remember them yeah i remember looking at the web pages of that dude i used to scroll (laughs) i used to scroll schecter hard in middle school oh yeah absolutely (laughs) oh yeah yeah. they got the bat inlays which i was like yeah so badass (laughs) I still would like one of those, actually. The more I talk about it, the cooler it sounds. Yeah. But um, then I took a guy who he knew I played guitar, and he really wanted to learn. <clears throat> and he's like, I don't want to get a terrible guitar for my first guitar. I want to get something decent. And I have a little bit of money. Like, let's yeah. go to Guitar Center and pick one out. And I ended up helping him pick a Schecter because it was Sick. like the best bang for the buck that that it had yeah. by like far at that store at the time. Yep. So I have like this really weird, like I never did close the deal on buying a Schecter, but mm-hmm. every time I'm like, Hmm, I really want a Schecter. So yeah. It's funny. It's, it's rounded the corner again. Oh yeah. Like, full oh, circle. I yeah. Get a Schecter. Yeah. I also like playing it in videos too, because like, I feel like everyone nowadays is playing like, especially in like the indie and like kind of like jazz, like not jazz, but like in the indie ish, jazz inspired indie stuff everyone's playing fenders right now which i have like i have a strat i love my strat it's a great guitar but i also like i just like the idea of one of my videos popping up and they're like just like some kind of shredder and then he just plays like warbly indie jazz (laughs) it's just just, i like it's a fun i love that everyone's always like what's that guitar it's it's fun (laughs) there's something there is something about that guitar because when alex was like hey we're gonna send this dude some stuff i was like i was like i don't know who that is let me let me investigate and I was like, oh, this guy, this guy's about to shred my face off right now. Yeah, and, yeah right, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I, and I was I was prepared. I was ready. And I, yeah. I was like, well, he didn't. I mean, he does eventually shred my face off just in a <laughs> yeah. 
in a much nicer way than I was expecting. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's a friendly shred. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's more of a gentle tug, you know? Yeah, right. Eventually yeah, yeah. the skin loosens up over time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, you know, you mentioned earlier, and, and if, if you can't talk about it or aren't comfortable, totally feel free to, to pass on the question. But um, you mentioned that some people hit you up that you were personally big fans of, a big fan of, and you didn't yeah. expect. Like, who were some of those artists or people? Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, Corey Wong followed me. Oh, sort of like my incredible. stuff, which is crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, um, Lewis Cole is one of my favorite um you know he's been a big inspiration for me and uh he reached out we ended up um you know became coming buds and um and so that was you know a huge honor that he liked my music just as uh you know it turns out he's you know a great guy too and really chill dude and uh yeah so those were kind of the biggest two as far as fears that i was influenced by um and then lots of weird random people too you know the lovejoy guys the mm-hmm. jonas brothers band um yeah, I'm trying to. I mean, a bunch of like LA, LA people, and they all think I'm in LA, which is really fun. Uh-huh. Everyone always thinks I live in LA. <laughs> Everyone, they're like, "Oh, your indie stuff has such LA vibes," but uh, no, nah, just I'm from Central Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so those are the main ones, and uh, yeah, it's been cool to like connect with with people like that. A bunch of also like just really cool artists, like uh, this animator Chris Rutledge. Uh, who him and I become real good friends. Uh, he does a bunch of work for like Adult Swim and stuff. Nice. Uh, and so that was like, I mean, just someone that was like a great connection. It's been cool to make friends through putting out music online. I never thought that would be a, a thing I did. So yeah, totally. We are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the Gear Exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there that's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the gear exchange, you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby, because... Let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases, and that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff. it's amazing what can happen when you start putting stuff out over time yeah Yeah. i've gotten really lucky to have done interviews and got to meet some of my musical heroes and i've said this before they they say don't meet your heroes yeah yeah. but so far my batting average has been really great like they've all been super cool people that i'm like oh well I like you even more. I'm even I'm a bigger fan now because now I know you're also just as cool as I hoped you would be. Yeah. So right. Yeah. I haven't ran into too much diva action yet. I I haven't at all. I don't think I make the music for it. I haven't met if someone is making music like the music, the kind of music I'm into. If you have that diva attitude, it's kind of like kind of game over. It's like not (laughs) the least cool thing you could possibly do. It really is. Yeah. 
But uh, I, I think no matter what you're making, it's the least cool thing you could possibly do. Yeah, yeah, do. of course, it, of course. It, yeah, yeah. it sucks. Yeah, yeah. But I also think that that's uh, a one of the uh, you know the internet's got a lot of problems, right? Let's let's yeah. not sugarcoat it. It's it's got some ugly sides. But one of the really good things about it is I think people can kind of get away with less of that. Yeah, people will find out. People, you know, your your vibe ends up getting out there. Don't get me wrong. Some people are just terrible and they don't yeah. care. But generally speaking, you you got to be cool. You got to be cool to hang out with. You got to be yeah. a person that people want to be around. And yeah. if you're not, people will find out faster. I feel yeah. like. Yeah. I mean, nothing has more mileage in life than just being nice to people. It's like, <laughs> you know, for all a- aspects of life, you know, just having even just just from this, you know, the selfish idea of wanting to have a good life yourself, you know, it's just, it's good to be kind. And I, I don't know. I think, I think people, I think sometimes don't realize because there is so much like festering weird business stuff. But when it comes to the artists from the, for the most part, everyone's pretty chill of people mm-hmm. I've met, but also I kind of like steer clear. Like I've definitely run into some weirdos at parties in LA who are like, just cloud chasers. But then you just don't hang out with them. It's super easy. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's like, that's the easiest thing in the world. So you're like, like, yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> cool. no thanks. Yeah. I also spend most of my time at home and I don't really do. I mean, I, sp- I write so much, dude. Like I don't, I don't really have any time for the social scene of music whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, if there are any people that are like weirdos, I'm like, well, I'm just not, it's very easy just to not, spend any time with them just same same thing with people online too where like i don't know i think some people see all like the comments and the interactions as like real things but these are all like you know algorithmically based programs that are run by megacorps so it's like what's the point of like i don't if anyone says something to me on the internet you should not care at all it is it has no it has no connection to any basis of the reality of a human interaction, you know? And, and so it's like, uh, yeah. And and so that's where it's like, yeah, foster your community of people you enjoy and who are good people and be kind. And, and that's like so important. It's a, it's one of those weird things too, where I think it is important to reply to, you know, you don't have to reply to every single comment. And I, I used to do that a lot more, but I do think it's important to, engage with people you know i got a i have a text line open on this podcast where people can like text this phone number cool and a lot of people think that initially when i rolled it out people were like is this gonna be like a big text marketing thing where you just tell me about episodes like no yeah, yeah. dude it's just me it's just my a way you can contact me yeah, it's not right. my like phone number my personal cell phone yeah, you know trying to but, dox yourself <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's uh but it, it's, it's literally me just replying to all those text messages because yeah. A lot of people that listen to this show don't I'm surprised still like yeah they don't have social media right or they yeah, very yeah. rarely go on it and they just happen to yeah. like the podcasts and they want to talk about fuzz pedals and I'm like that's cool yeah. you shouldn't oh, have yeah. to have Facebook in order or no. Discord or any of that stuff in order to do that you know as long yeah. as I have the capacity to 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 be there I I enjoy engaging with people who actually like what I'm doing Oh, that me said, too. Like, hater comment, yeah. hater comments bother me less and less and less. In fact, they're, yeah, start yeah, yeah. To, like, they're starting to be comical now. Oh, they're so funny. <laughs> they're the best, dude. I wish I had more haters, honestly. Yeah. No, I mean, people that are reaching out and like earnestness who are like either just fans or have questions, I always try to do my best to answer because I always like my biggest thing, not just as like a guitarist, but I also would like to help, you know, like I, I think making music is the most wonderful beautiful and foundational path you could ever kind of like choose to do in life for you know everyone's different but for myself so if anyone else is if i ever inspired anyone else to kind of like take up this gauntlet and keep the you know uh, for lack of better words keep the you know flame going of like people that enjoy composing and if i could help other people want to do that i'll always you know respond to people in that way and try to give advice because it is just such an edifying pursuit and there isn't really anything more magical than like writing a writing a tune that you're proud of you know so. Well, that feeling when it hits too, when you're like, yeah. "Oh, oh, I got it! Yeah. I got yeah. it!" It yeah, like yeah. makes all of the, "Oh, that one wasn't good. Ah, that one didn't." Yeah. That. Like when you get that one, it makes it all worth it. And I think, yeah, yeah, having other people be able to experience that too, from music or something you post or something you say is yeah. is pretty. It's pretty incredible, and it's another one of the good things about you know social media and the internet is that people like you and I are able to do 
have these conversations. We totally. met through the internet, uh, you know, and we were able to get out there. Whereas I, I make an argument sometimes that, that I could see some pushback on, but that I, I don't think it's always been hard to make a living as an artist. Oh, totally. But you've never yeah. been able to do it from your bedroom the way you can do now. Like, we we'll also get to make exactly what you want. Like, for me, like, mm-hmm. the book stops, like, at that, like, the door over there. That's, like, everything's filtered through that door. Like, not, everything is made right here. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I do it exactly how I want it. And when something goes out, it's all me. There's no one else to blame. I really appreciate that part of it. Obviously, you know, all of the algorithmically driven ad revenue-based social media companies, that their numbers are kind of fishy. I mean, that stuff's weird. But, uh, you know, I mean, maybe it's I, I don't feel it's that much worse than like all the big cigar chomping, you know, right. execs that were like, you know, harassing people in the 70s. So I don't know. It's always going to be I mean, whatever, you know, specifically any kind of American system. It's always going to be difficult to justify your existence on the marketplace as an artist. But I think having the autonomy that like someone like myself has uh, is incredible. I mean, I'm just so happy, like the fact that I can make whole records right in this room and uh kind of build my own business completely independently is like my favorite thing ever like that rules and no one has i don't have to like show someone mixes and then be like change this change this oh no one will like this song it's like no if i think it's cool it's going out there you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's awesome yeah yeah Yeah. i mean it's (laughs) it's slowly made me more and more unemployable with every passing year is the the having the freedom to be able to just do whatever and put out whatever yeah, like, yeah. Wow, I'm really I'm I'm becoming becoming very unemployable. <laughs> Great, yeah, yeah. sweet. <laughs> That's it. You could probably make sick sick stuff. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah. This whole this whole experience has been mind blowing yeah. to say the least. Um, coming from my background, but uh, yeah. So we're creeping up on the end of the main episode of the podcast, and uh, yeah. slide over to Patreon and get like really weird with it. But before I uh, ask you the final questions of the episode. I like to give the guest the opportunity to take the stage talking to a couple thousand people right now. You know, you can shout out anybody you want to shout out. You can say hi to your grandma. You can do whatever you want to do. Like the floor is, is yours. Great. Let's see. Uh, well, first shout out to my grandma. She rules. I'm actually in her house right now. This is, I rent from her. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) She's awesome. She lives in Oregon. She found a sweet, a sweetheart out in Oregon. She's living out there now. It's not me. I'm in Oregon, but it's not me. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So yeah, shout out to Justin Clouser, Rod Gels, Randall Robertson, basically all the people that taught me music and stuff. So, you know, triple R guitar, Randall Robertson, Uh, Justin Clouser runs a music school in Pennsylvania called the perfect fifth if you want guitar lessons he's you know one of the best teachers you could ever ask for if you like my guitar playing you will like his guitar playing nice. um rod gales also runs a music school out of pennsylvania and he kind of taught me how to play live uh and like live improvisational funk and jazz uh great guy and shout out to yeah it's it's and to i don't know i'm trying to think my parents the yeah. people yeah. everyone everybody yeah. anybody everybody whatever yeah. it's all good well, and I would just add to that, like, please go make sure you, you check out his music because it's very, very good. And I'll have the links to wherever you want me to put the links uh, down in the show notes of this podcast. So we'll cool. talk about that off air. Yeah. But uh, yeah, where where can people, where would you like people to go? Like, where can people find you? Yeah. Spotify, Bandcamp, Deezer, Apple Music, Deezer. YouTube, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Instagram, <laughs> everywhere. If you type spots. in Spilly Cave, I pop up and wherever, you know, whatever place fits you best, you can check me out there. Yes, okay. you know, I always like, I think sometimes people are like, please buy my music on Bandcamp. But it's like, you know, I, I don't know, just wherever you find me, whatever platform you like the best. If you like the tunes, you like the tunes and that's good enough for me. There you go. That works. It's yeah. beautiful. All right. First question. What is your favorite boss pedal? Boss pedal. I've never owned a boss pedal. Oh. <gasps> <laughs> I think this is the first. I think this is the first. That's the first on the podcast. You've never I've only owned pedal. four pedals. <laughs> well, what are those? Uh, first, I got uh, a Wah, and I forget what it was. I think it was Dunlop Wah. Probably Dunlop, most likely. And then uh, it was also a Slash Boost. And then I also had this Overdrive pedal that was from a local manufacturer 
uh, like local pedal creator in mm-hmm. um, Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Um, and then I had a phaser by that same guy. And then I had um, the 1980 fuzz pedal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget by who. Oh, and then I have the aqueduct. Right. And then I also have the the Earthquaker chorus pedal, the Sea C Dream or something like that. It's amazing. Nice. But that's it's, I'm so software, dude. <laughs> <I was like, laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is a generational amazing. divide. I think I'm a lot, that yeah. much older than you, but yeah, yeah. Um, I I'm like never had a bus pedal. No, we'll, we'll have to fix that. I'm gonna yeah. do what I can. Oh, I also had an Ibanez tube screamer inspired the green one by Tran that Tran Anastasia uses that I was I had in high school. Okay. Okay. So more than uh, four. Like at least you've had one of one of like the classic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. We'll we'll give you a pass. So we're just gonna put you down as the uh, TU two because uh, you you probably like being in tune. I'm just gonna cool. make that your favorite boss. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Three hundred and seventy something episodes. Nobody's yeah, ever pe- said they've not had a boss pedal. That's crazy. oh, people always make fun of me online. I get so many DMs that are like, "What? Ge- what's your gear?" I'm like, "Dude, I'm not the gearhead. I'm so sorry. I'm like <laughs> such. A- <laughs> I am the wrong guitarist to follow if you're trying to find a gearhead." <laughs> <laughs> I've the amount of times I've walked on a stage not knowing what amp is there, and I'm like, "Well." This is what we're playing tonight. <laughs> uh, hey, you make it work, and that's yeah. that's even more beautiful in a lot of ways. Oh. So that's great. All right, now now that I okay, we've got through that. Now I'm just gonna brace myself here for this next okay. one because I don't want to be hearing what yeah. I just heard for this next question. Yeah. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Oh, pizza? Mm-hmm. Oh, you guys gotta go. Actually, I really like the uh so I forget what it's called. There's a local pizza shop that had this one called the honey badger. And it was like a pepperoni pizza, but it had honey oil on it. Yeah. It was like yeah. spicy pepperonis with honey oil. That's, and that's my move. favorite. It's I best. love that. That's yeah, so good. So good. Is that like was that like a thinner crust, a thicker crust? Like what yeah, kind of it was style like the, was it? it was like the real thin, like personal size, kind of mm-hmm. like the uh, brick oven style pizzas, probably. Oh yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. That hits the spot. Yeah, yeah. I found that in uh, New York. That went to nice. Roberta's and got the beasting. Oh, nice. Similar. Similar yep. things, spicy oil or spicy pepperonis and some peppers yep. and stuff, and then that hot honey yeah. on there. Just you can't beat it. Some, I was I was I was skeptical. I'll I'll admit yeah, it. Yeah. I was like I don't know about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's so good, so yeah, incredibly yeah. good. So yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for hanging out, and we'll we'll maybe take a little pause here and see what kind of nonsense we can get into on Patreon. Does that work? Cool, for you? sick. Thanks, Blake. Yeah, uh-huh. great to Thanks, talk to dude. you. Really good, really good talking to you. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. For Spilly, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. There you have it, folks. There's another episode in the can. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And if you did, as I hinted at in the beginning, you're going to enjoy the Patreon conversation even more. We get really weird over there. We get into a lot of our favorite things, including weird movies and things. That's just a... As you know, as you listeners know, that's a passion of mine as well. And, well, we chop it up. And if you want all of those episodes, you just got to go to patreon.com slash tonemob, where for five bucks a month, you will get access to all of that stuff. I appreciate everybody who supports the show. Thank you very much. I've got a lot more content coming your way. I've got some songs I'm working on. I got all kinds of projects. It's a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on. But it's all groovy. All right, folks, thank you very much. I will talk to you on the internet very, very soon. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, Go to ToneMob.com slash StringJoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com slash StringJoy and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much.
Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out. Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey, you. Did you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.